If you're interested in small business, you're going to want to subscribe to the Small Business Showcase by Kaizentree. We meet with small business owners every week to discuss lessons that you can apply in your own journey. Learn from their failures, successes, and stories to discover how to build a life doing what you love. For those of you who already have a small business, be sure to check out kaizentree.com, an online platform that helps manage your inventory, sales channels, customer relationships, and more. Hello and welcome to the Small Business Showcase. My name is Marcos, and as always, it's great to have you here. With me today is Jessica Lee from Florin Fable, a Sydney brand that designs and sells book plates. It's great to have you here, Jessica. Oh, thank you so much. So to start us off, could you tell us a bit about what book plates are? So book plates are like little illustrated labels that go on the inside front cover of your book to say, from the library of... Jessica Lee. So when you're lending out books to friends, they know who to give it back to, or some people use it to collate their most favorite books in their collection. So it's a way of just saying, this is mine. Yeah. So it's essentially a sort of a sticker that you put on the first page when you open the cover of a book. Yeah. Most people usually like handwrite their name on the book. Oh yeah. But this is a way that used to be like really popular in 19th century England to have a book plate in your book. And I'm just trying to revive that art form. Yeah, and it, it seems like each of your book plates, they're art pieces in themselves. They're, they're very beautiful to look at. Thank you. And, and are these designs things that you yourself? Yep, so they're all my own designs inspired by sort of old world, vintage, classic fairy tales and like art that I look at a lot, which is a lot of 18th century, 19th century English art. Um, that sort of classic fairy tale look. Yeah, and for those of you who are listening and want to try to visualize this, it's sort of like a, um, a rectangular sticker that goes on the first page of your book and the ink used, it's a gold plated, so it's really shiny and it just looks like something that's straight out of, as Jessica mentioned, the, uh, the 18th century, where sort of these medieval designs seem to have really influenced it, which I think make it really stand out from a lot of the creative work that at least I see these days that seems more cartoony or it, it sort of loses this sort of classy feel to it. And could, could you tell us a bit about how you started this? Because it's a very unique product. So I got into book plates about five years ago when my university had a book plate designing competition. And that was the first time I've ever heard of book plates. So when I was doing the design, I was like researching the history behind it. And it has a really interesting history dating back to like the 15th century to the advent of printing. I did my design. I didn't win the competition, but it was sort of still in my head for a while. And then I went to England and saw in like a museum gift shop that they had book plates available. And I was like, that is such a great idea. So during that England trip, I started sort of designing my first book plates, just drawing like the wildflowers around like the English countryside. And then when I got home, I sort of turned it into a product just by printing it on like, you know, Officeworks ticker paper and I was selling it for $5 for a pack of nine. And that was the first time I tried to like do book plates, which was about three years ago now. But in February this year, I decided to rebrand and pretty much solely focus on book plates because I feel like that's such a niche market and I really wanted to revive that art form. Yeah, and then for, I think from what we spoke of before as well, it seems like it really came out of your love for books. Mm. And also you had a background as a graphic designer. Yeah. So it sort of paired very well when you went into this avenue. Yeah, so I was a book designer for six years. So I, I'm all around this book world and of book plates and like book publishing. And so in February, so you, you just focused on the book plates. And what were the products that you discontinued? Um, a lot of stationery, like notebooks, prints as well. I was pretty big on like art prints. Yeah. 
I, I still have some notebooks and uh, notepads available, but it's just, it's not my main focus. I'm, right now I'm, I'm still focusing on book plates, which is more my sticker range and my like rubber stamp range as well that I can personalize. What impact do you think that had on your business being able to focus on, on sort of the core aspects? Niching for me definitely felt um, like I could get into different channels. My target audience was very specific now, which I thought was a lot better than trying to branch out and do stationery, which is very overpopulated, I guess, in terms of like floral stationery. But um, niching, I think, was the way to go. Yeah. And you sell this online or you sell it on different wholesale channels or whereabouts do you distribute? My e-commerce website is the first one. And then I wholesale to retailers around Australia. I also do like bulk orders for different things like uh, libraries who want like custom book plates for their books or do custom orders as well as bulk orders for book subscription boxes when they want um, to have a little gift in their like monthly box that they send out to their customers. Oh wow. From what it sounds, it seems like really by discontinuing some of the peripheral products, you've really been able to do more around these book plates where I assume that a lot of these activities you might not have been able to dedicate your time towards if you had also your stationery going. Yeah. It's really helped you further develop the, the main aspects. Yeah, like I wouldn't have found like book subscription boxes if it wasn't for lockdown and COVID when I was trying to find different channels to sell in and like that was one avenue that I hadn't looked at before. And there's a whole bunch of different book subscription boxes in like the UK, in Australia, in the US, which I've sold to. A lot of them focus on like the fantasy young adult fiction market. So that's the exact market that I wanted to sell in anyways. It was a perfect fit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think that's something that like for anyone listening here at the moment as well, that I think it rings very true where, you know, when you're running your business, it's really important to hone in on what the core of it is and really expand on that. Where, you know, as, as Jessica has mentioned, a lot of the things she's doing today, she probably would not have done had she also been splitting her time across other products. And so I'm sure it was very daunting to do that, particularly where you're now saying goodbye to whatever revenue the other products were doing. What was that like? I guess so. I remember, I think a while back you asked why I was focusing on wholesaling just my book plates and not my notebooks and all of that. I did feel like it was an oversaturated market and yet, and to be able to focus in just on book plates and expand out my avenue sales channels, I think that was a creative solution as well. I think maybe something that, that people often fall into is maybe trying to have more of an offer when they approach whoever it is that they're trying to sell to. So that maybe just in case they're not interested in the book plates, you have the stationery or they're not inter interested in the stationery, so you have the, the notebooks. But I, I think that even though it seems like a safe option, a lot of the time it's it's not really the best strategy where you can really spread yourself thin across things that you're not particularly passionate about. When, when you're talking to me about your book plates, you're really passionate about it. And I think that, you know, honing in on the products specifically that you're very passionate on can really help you further develop your brand and what it is that you're trying to sell because people resonate with that much more effectively than they would with someone who's selling a huge product range where they're just sort of trying to cast a wide net and see what they can catch. So I think it's a really good strategy that, that you've implemented. Okay, thank you. Have there been any challenges along the way or has it been sort of smooth sailing? I guess because I've, I've only really started in February, it's just sort of gaining traction now. But like for a few months, I really felt that my marketing was off and like I didn't really have a direction that I wanted to go in. So I guess those few months was a little hard when I didn't quite know what I wanted to sell particularly. That's February this year, correct? That's... Yeah, February this year. Yes, that's, that's a big transition that seems like you've really progressed a lot since then. 
what was it that you think helped find that moment where the marketing was clicking? I did a few like online courses. I found someone who I thought I really resonated with in terms of like their values and like just working through like her her modules and her online course like really helped me hone in on why I do what I do. I think that was the important part, like why you're in business and mm -hmm. answering that for yourself was like the aha moment for me. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people who are maybe facing a similar situation in, in their own marketing? I think definitely look over your business plan and like look at why you're in business, what your sort of vision and mission statements are and sort of use that to guide your marketing and your product development and, and like where you want to be in business. Yeah, I think that's very true. And you know, it's good to have some sort of guidance and path that you're following. Was there anything else that that came up or was it really mostly the marketing trying to, to fix it there? When you're doing business, it's a pretty lonely avenue because one, you're in lockdown or you're just working from home. So I felt like trying to find different, even Facebook groups, just to have accountability on what you're doing week by week was helpful as well. Yeah. That's something that I that I know I also faced and that it seems to be a recurring theme with some of these podcasts when we ask a similar question where they sort of, you know, mention the loneliness and that sort of link to, I mean, as you said, holding yourself accountable where sometimes it can be sort of demotivating or you can you know, have these sort of, you know, ups and downs. A lot of the time as small business owners, since they are alone, you, know, you don't really have anyone in your direct periphery to spur you on. So, so you think that finding sort of online communities has helped that or... Definitely just even writing down what you plan to do on the week and just doing it, but having it almost publicly available on a Facebook private group or something makes it a bit more real and not just in your head. So basically you'd go on these private groups and then sort of communicate your goals or? I'd say so, yeah. Usually they'd have like maybe a weekly accountability thread that you can just post your goals for the week. That's really interesting. Has there been any other, mm -hmm. any other uh, tips that you think have helped with that or? Or the main one is, is really trying to engage with people online? Yeah, engaging is good. I also felt that delegating tasks was one thing that I sort of wasn't really doing in the beginning when I really should have been doing. Just because you're piled on with all these admin things that take you away from like your actual product development and like drawing and making new things. Like if I delegated more, I could have worked less in, in the beginning of my business. What sort of tasks do you delegate? admin is one yeah just because like i have sales channels in like etsy and ebay and when you're trying to upload products it just takes time and like anything that's manual i'm trying to delegate more as well yeah i guess particularly you know, for just you or just a small team you have much more limited time than you would if it was a bigger team or one of these large organizations where they can afford to have like people doing each each like specialize in each sort of department or specific task so almost on, on, on a different note here, but where do you see yourself in three years or, or where, where are some of the long-term goals that you currently set for yourself? Uh, so I definitely want to see myself in like a hundred retailers around Australia in three years. So far I'm in about like 30. So I feel like a hundred in three years is doable. I want to go to more international markets. So like the New York stationery show is one that I'm having my eyes on. Perhaps even like New Zealand um, gift show, all these like other international expos. Well, I think if you've made it to 30 since February, I think that's a really big achievement. <laughs> Thank you. That's, yeah, that's, you know, congratulations. That's, that's very impressive. And I was actually going, I was going through your Instagram just before this. Uh, I realized that your content is really, it's really well done. Do you take the photos yourself or do you have that done outside? 
yeah, it's all my own photography. What's what's the process that I know, you know, yesterday you were talking with another person who they find it challenging to produce this sort of content and the quality that you seem to to execute very effectively. Do you have any tips there? So I have like a to-do list of photos that I want to do and I sort of just add to it when I think of an idea and then I spend maybe one or two days doing like my photo shoot days and the way I set it up I've got a tripod and I only really take photos when it's overcast. I think people say like you know sunny by a window is nice but I feel like that yellow light doesn't really work with my stuff and you can always post process things and yeah. I feel that diffused lighting from like an overcast day is so much more beautiful on my products and you don't get that harsh shadow. Mm -hmm. So it looks a lot more professional. So that's one to two days a week, a month or? Maybe every two months. So basically then yeah. so you have a dedicated, you know, time that you allocate towards it. And then you have your tripod. Do you have a professional camera or is this with your with phone or? I do. I have like a mirrorless camera. I can like change out the lenses if I want something that's got a bit more depth of field and I can sort of have that beautiful blurry background. But yeah, it's on a tripod and it, usually I do flat lays. So it's on my desk with a window next to my desk and like overcast lighting. Seems like you're definitely right with you. When you have the sun, it can produce some glare, especially if you have a shiny product. And the shadows are too harsh. Yeah, so I guess yeah, for anyone who's trying to take some high quality photos of their product, I think listen to, to these tips of using an overcast day. I think, you know, with regards to using a professional uh, camera, I think that, you know, if you have one, use it. If not, I don't think it's too much of an issue. I've seen some great ones that were just taken on on one of the new iPhones or, or one of the new Androids. I think their capabilities are getting there. And I think that the difference is not too significant. So even though I know a lot of small businesses now, they've sort of stopped using photography services and they've sort of shifted to just buying the new iPhone or just using their existing phone to take them. But that's a really good uh, insight there. Just that, I, that I know a lot of people listening will probably benefit from. You, know, you mentioned about delegating tasks and admin. So I wanted to ask about how you manage your inventories. Obviously, that's probably one of the you know, sort of more or less administrative tasks. Yeah, so I'm on Kazen Tree to have all my raw material, which I use to like put into to make finished product. And then from the finished product, I find out like how many bundled packages I can do so I can fulfill wholesale orders. Um, I think it's so useful if a wholesale order comes through, I can tell immediately if I have enough stock, enough finished product or enough bundles to even make the packages. And at what point do you think that inventory becomes important or maybe not important, but at what point does delegating it to a to the sort of inventory software become sort of relevant for businesses? I wish I started it when I was first starting wholesale, just so I had a hold on everything at one glance. Yeah. What are the real sort of, you know, I guess, things that it's helping you achieve or the real problems you think it's helping you avoid? It's helping me avoid low stock, for one. Sometimes when you've got stock all over the place, just knowing, like, what you're low on is so important <laughs> yeah. like in any business. Yeah, and then I know that, you know, there's a few businesses out there who are, they're, they're, they're at a similar size and a lot of the time they don't think that necessarily the cost of something like this justifies... Uh, the, the solution. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's it's worth it? It's like it pays itself off so easily. Yeah. I don't think there's any reason not to use it. That's very interesting and certainly something that, that I also agree with where I think, you know, even you can think about it where, you know, how long would it take you to do it manually? How much do you value your time? From there, you can calculate how much it really costs you to do your inventory and then how much it would cost you 
to have um, a dedicated system that basically does it for you. And then it's sort of, you know, you just have to do some of like the, some, some more small uh, tasks there. And I guess, you know, the final thing here is where can our listeners actually find you? Yes, yeah, so you can find me on fleurandfable.com.au or Instagram and Facebook where the handle is fleurandfable.au. I will include links to all of that in the podcast description. So you can click that and go directly. And I know that Jessica is often at some of the expos here in Sydney and I think in Melbourne as well. Uh, the Life and Style Melbourne. Yeah, that's my next one. Yeah, at the moment it seems like it's up and down or it's hard to know what expo is going to go through. But if it goes through, then I recommend checking it out if you're in Melbourne. It's got a lot of great people there and when you can check out Jessica's book plates in person, which I highly recommend. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Showcase. If you like the episode, be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss out on the next one. The discussion continues online. Head over to kaizentree.com articles to share your thoughts on today's show and to read some of our articles which cover useful topics, such as what to do about Apple's new iOS update. For more from Kaizentree, follow our Instagram at kaizentree or visit our website www.kaizentree.com. That's www.kaizentree.com www.kaizentree.com